Welcome to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. I'm Hardy White. Join me now, won't you, as we journey together to underground spaces of our soul. We go to hidden locales and look for interesting things to stimulate our imagination because we're curious and we're curious to other people because of our curiosity. Oh, my dreams are becoming more and more vivid. In fact, last night I dreamt I was doing this very radio show, and that has never happened before. And on it I said this, word for word. Let's do an experiment. Not the kind of experiment they do in laboratories, like grafting a monkey's head onto a turtle. And I woke up remembering that, and I thought, no, that sounds like something I'd say. But I should tell them I mean a thought experiment, like what would happen if you added one ounce of salt to three ounces of Jesus? So that's the thought I had when I immediately woke up, which isn't like dreaming. It's more like just being confused. And I thought, well, I'll put those two things together, and that will be my show. But no, I don't want to do that. Very strange and surreal, those images. Salt and Jesus. I guess I was, maybe I was thinking of Salt Peter, Salt St. Peter, which is a city in the Midwest. Somehow my brain concocts these things based on things that I have already thought. So they're taking recycled. Now, where did those thoughts come from? Oh, some things will never be answered. Here's a question I do have for you. And the theme of tonight's show program, program show called it a show one time, and someone took issue with that. They said, is it a show? Because you're not showing anything, are you? It's a radio show. And I said, I really don't understand what you're saying, because that's a figurative thing. Let me show you. And I showed them how to do it. I guess it's a program, but then the only thing that's programmed is the time of it. So I don't know what this is. I thought it's a visit. That's how I've been treating it, like a visit. Won't you come visit with people, Hardy? Now, my mother does this. Well, not any longer. She's now she's uh, getting a little slowing down a bit and can't do it. But she used to sit with people with dementia and just have recursive conversations with them or whatever. So just to be a friend. And I think the program is called like Friendly Friends Who Sit With Friends or something like that. And I'm all for that. And that this program should have been called that. But Ken caught me off guard. And I should have thought about it in a minute and go, oh, it's going to be called Friendly Friends Who Sit With Friends and Are Friendly. And that might have been too much. They don't like those 60s um, parody kind of movie titles where it's really long, like Fearless Vampire Killers or Pardon Me But Your Teeth Are In My Neck. That's a Roman Polanski film that I have never seen. But I saw the title for it and I thought, I'm not going to ever watch that. That's too... Uh, I don't agree with uh, that too much. Um, what, do you, what do you not agree with? I, I don't need to see a vampire parody, I guess. It's inherently funny to me. So making fun of vampires, redundant. 
I received a present from Vicki, people like us, because it was my birthday. And so she said, I'm sending you a present. That's not her voice. I don't want to do her voice. I just do it in private to annoy her. But she sent me a, a lovely book, and it was about the lost rivers of London. You see, London has one main river that goes through it. That's the Thames. And uh, it starts somewhere in the Cotswolds and, and then uh, runs east until there's a giant mouth there, uh, opens up. Uh, but it goes right through London in a wonderful serpentine sort of way. And there used to be, and still are, about a dozen rivers off of it that, that flow into it. But m most of them, or all of them, well, not all of them, most of them have been covered over. <gasps> they are lost. Nobody knows exactly where they are anymore. They do and they don't. Now, how does this happen? How do you lose a river? Can you lose a mountain? Oh, in Kentucky we can because we take the tops off of them and to get to the flammable middle. And sometimes, where'd the mountain go? I don't know, somewhere. But they lost rivers by covering over. Now, why did they do that? Well, what happens? Let's say, let's go back in time to London before anybody was there. Did they call it that? No. Why, why would they? Well, Doctor Who might have come back and then accidentally named it London. That could be. I love that sort of thing. All of creation was started by a time traveler. It's, a par it's all a paradox, a tautology or whatever. So listen to this. So then there was the rivers coming off of it and everything. So people start to live there and what have you. And when they live on the banks of the river, eventually enough people come there and they start throwing stuff in because it's convenient. And so I'm going to throw them a dead animal in there, things like that. And then there becomes so many people, they go, what do we do with all this poo? You don't think of that, but when a lot of people gather in any one area, like London or Woodstock or something, poo builds up because that's what we you know, give off, humans. It should have been incorporated into the name. We do it so frequently and so regularly, and it's the one thing we have in common. I don't know why we're not poo apes or something like that. It just makes sense. So... Uh, all this gets in the river. The river gets nasty. It's not really flowing anymore. One day, and in Victorian times, this one river, the, the river fleet, uh, got so stanky, they said, we got to do We got to cover this up. Just make it a sewer. So they cover them up. They make them a sewer. But the river is still flowing underground. And then in the, the mouth of it goes into the drains, into the Thames. Now, something that's always been uh, confusing to me is that the mouth of the river is where it drains into something. And they, they try to make an excuse for that. So, oh, yes, the mouth, like their the words, or we're putting into the... Come on now. Because the origin of the river is called the head, right? And then the mouth is the other end? No. They just didn't want to call it the, the anus. But that's the river's anus. Right there where it drains in, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly natural. And, uh, you know, the mouth, where are you? I'm at the anus of the river. Which river? The river anus. Oh, that sounds like a river's name somewhere else. We wouldn't say that. Here we would say the anus river. We'd flip it around. Isn't that fun? But 
the, the rivers are covered. Now, there are people that go around exploring them, and they go in there. Some of them are called drainers, and they'll go in these hidden rivers and uh, look around in there. And there's human waste and rats and fun things like that. I don't know what else. And, but what's in there is this wonderful river that used to be there that people used to uh, live by. And people need water, you know, just to, even if just to stare at it. So I put fountains around there. We, we're drawn to it. And, to be, and rivers are lovely. And I like towns that have rivers going through them. But a lot of it is buried beneath our feet. So what they do sometimes is what they call daylight these things. And they will expose the old covered up river and say, oh, there it is. It was underground. Oh, hello, everybody. I've been gone for a while. Hello, river. And river will come back and, you know, they might clean it up because it's actually, I think, easier to clean them than to cover them up, which is quite an engineering feat. And just, it's a, just let it you know, accept what the water does and you'd be better off. We have a problem with that. You know, we pave over surfaces and we, we prevent water from doing what it wants to do, which is soak into the earth. So it just has to go and find some low spot, which is usually like a, maybe a poor person's neighborhood or something because we built homes in a ditch. There's lots of, so the way that we treat water uh, collectively is very unusual and very un unusually kind of unwise. So I wanted to discuss the buried rivers of our soul. What is it within ourselves that flows, that gives us a life force, but that sometimes is hard to maintain? And so rather than clean it up and live in accordance with the natural course of this wonderful life, we cover it up and hide it and live on a surface devoid of this life-giving force. What are you talking about? What is this a metaphor for? Why, I'm talking about I don't know, but it seems like it is, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem like this covering of rivers is acting out something that is deep within the human psyche? Are you saying psyche or psyche? Psyche, psyche, psyche? Saki. Saki? Psyche, your psyche. And I believe this, or soul, or whatever. Because I don't have a soul heart, whatever. Your configuration. You're, you're a big clump of memories and, and assumptions. And that's what it is. That's what the memories are, too, is their assumptions. Everything's a guess. I was thinking about that the other day. Really, I'm, I'm, um, I have a fear of being overconfident. I don't mind being confident. I have a fear of being arrogant and overconfident and thinking I know more than I do because I know that is dangerous. And so I often question what I know. Well, if you do this in an organized, long-term fashion, you will come to a terrible conclusion that you really can't know anything. Or I can't. <laughs> Maybe you can but um, if you could do the math, if I could do the math, I might, but I don't. And so I just have to trust you for a lot of it. But there's a lot of things I just don't know. A lot are just assumptions. And my whole worldview rests on them, and it could come crashing down, I think. But also there's this built-in delusional aspect 
that if some of my world assumptions were undermined, I think I could rationalize it enough to right the ship. So if I was uh, suddenly realized that other people weren't even there, I think I'd figure something out to make it, you know. So, well, they're virtually there or something so I could continue doing what I'm doing, which is a radio show. Oh, my goodness, it has never, and because I've been kind of questing two things in my life. Oh, my friends, at first, one is love. I'm always looking for love. I figured that out. What are you looking for? What is it that you want? Love and acceptance. And even if you think you have it or you get it and everything, there's always this human desire for it. So I realize it's there, and I acknowledge it, and I believe I adequately receive it if I enter into wonderful mutual relationships with people of kindness and compassion, friendships. And the other thing that I want uh, was some sort of uh, to make or do or build or become. I had an image of myself. I said, perhaps I will become a great... Uh, now I'm realize maybe I never even had any ambition. So I think I wanted to be an astronaut at one point. But that desire to be things still stayed there, even though it became more realistic. Say so maybe just radio. So ra I'm a radio astronaut. Maybe that's why I also watch those cockpit videos because I long to be really good at something. And what if you've ever done radio, don't tell me you haven't imagined you're flying a plane with all the dials and everything. Maybe I'm a pilot, you know? And, um, oh, no, but I'm stoned. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Poor DJ. Don't imagine too deeply. So I'm an impaired pilot. And then you have that recurring dream of, oh, I'm driving drunk again, which I never do, but I do dream about. And it's terrifying. I'm driving, but I'm impaired somehow. And the impairment is I'm dreaming which is a scary thing. Oh, here I am, though, living out one of my dreams. I am on radio, but sometimes by the time you get to a place that you wanted to be, you've changed a bit, and it's things are not as important to you. Now that I'm at the age where sort of friends are dropping dead, I'm thinking, oh, geez, nothing really is important to me. I'm not going to get stressed about anything anymore. Boy, this thing just suddenly ends and everything. I didn't like your radio show. I'm sorry. I don't care. I mean, I care and I don't care. I love you. Oh, my goodness. But at some, at, at some point, I must stop internalizing the external world and making all the everybody else's problems my problems or my problems your problems. And uh, But uh, I still have to dwell within the world and cooperate. And I'm willing to do that. So if we need to build a rec center in our hippie co-op, I'll, I'll show up. I have tools. I have some tools. You know what I have that it might be helpful? A snap line. I'm going to bring my snap line. And a fun thing I've done is, you know, you put chalk in your snap line. It has blue chalk and everything. I just I keep replacing it with different, all sorts of different fun colors. So my snap line, I have a collection of them in all sorts of rainbow fun colors. So you just tell me what you're into with your with your snap line and that's a wonderful invention just shake that powder up in there that chalk powder up in there and the string such a simple thing such a simple thing much like a river river doesn't think about where it's going it just just descends it just goes down that's me that's, 
I just oh, I don't think about where my thoughts are going. They just uh, they tend towards uh, going uh, going down. How do I lift them up? Oh, I lift up my thoughts by glomming on to the cheerful. That's the wrong way to put it. Surrounding myself with joy and uh, or entertaining myself and others. I like to do it with live people. I was just at a mountain house with some folks. And, you know, those are kind of isolated places. And if there's weather, like they say, sometimes you're just in there, you got to do something. And so I said, you know, I've got, I love cards. I said, let's play cards. And they said, no, come, come on. And I like forced somebody to learn Scopa. And they said, okay, is that enough? But I used to remember, we used to like do cards and stuff. We'd come up with ways to entertain ourselves. And yet we still sort of focused. Here's a funny thing we did. We looked at the TV and this was not my idea. And we watched videos of me. I was right there. I could have given you fresh. I just think it's so funny. I was literally there, and there were people looking at me on the television set. You know, there really is, you know, take the, take the gloves off and feel the steel. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. I was thinking about working out or something. I don't take the, um, where would you, take the gloves off and feel the snow. I don't want you to get frostbite or anything or your fingers to turn black and fall off, but I do want to maybe contact people at the source. I love that. I love being, um, I was very scared for many years to perform live and getting up in front of people, you know, is, is, uh, could be uh, difficult. It took me a long time to get over the feeling of feeling judged. Um, and I don't know where that comes from. I've never been stood on a pedestal and had people judge me, you know. Get on that pedestal and so now judge this next one. It's too tall. It's fat. So that's never happened to me, you know, but we all feel as if we're being evaluated and everything. And certainly if we're there presenting something that we've made or done, there is an element of judging. You know, we have people in the uh, that, that review acts and things like that. We're all we're very into reviewing and, and evaluating and criticizing, which is fine but it's unnerving too you think oh my goodness they're looking for the mistakes so it took me a while to overcome that then once I did I, I realized that the energy of other people is pretty amazing and that that direct contact just absolutely uh, is better than anything that you could get through an intermediary so I like to it's nice to be there when someone's experiencing something you've made or when you're giving them a message. Sometimes you can't be there because you're dead, and I understand that. And I have, that's why I have so much patience with the dead, because I realize, hey, it's a little challenging. You know, you can't do everything that you once did when you were dead. Things slow down a little bit. Uh, and many of my dead friends, you know, no longer work out, for instance. Really no need. I've been thinking, I think about time all the time. You know, since I've been on this radio show, oh my goodness. I've always subscribed to, besides grit, 
the family newspaper. I've always subscribed to the idea that you can keep contradictory thoughts in your head at the same time because they're all, they only contradict one another. There's only paradoxes are a product of language and a product of the limits of language. So two seemingly opposite things can be true at the same time. I really do believe that. And it's our inability to perceive that is really the problem. And you're just so limited by language and description that paradoxes are not paradoxes at all. I just think things are living right side by side that seem like they're opposite. And it makes things kind of complex and confusing. And it makes for a difficult to like figure out what's right and wrong, for instance. And I'll tell you what's right is listening to this radio show. Oh, my goodness, if I can lift your heart up. How can you lift a heart up? Pump it with gas. What kind of gas? The kind of gas that rises up helium or something. Big heart, floating heart up there. Big Montgolfier Brothers balloon shaped like a heart. The aortas, aortas uh, dripping, not real blood, but some kind of fun fake blood on people down below as they go by. Look at that hot air balloon. Ah, look, there's blood, Mama. That's not blood, honey. Eat it. It's strawberry. So jam, gushing jam on people with your big hot air balloon. All so much fun you can have being alive. And then it crashes and they die. That's part of it, too. So you could, a lot of times, mid-having fun, you perish. So, oh, so harsh, hard. It's just true, you know. Sometimes it, you, you go all sorts of ways, mid-horror and mid-joy. You never know when, you're, when the um, trap door is going to open on you. Sometimes you do because you've been sick for a while. That's no fun either. Maybe nothing's no fun. It just really depends. Oh, I want to give you a warm embrace because I do know uh, that suffering and grief is, is uh, just the worst, nothing worse, and it's difficult to be alive. So let me take you on a trip of imagination to where? I don't know where you want to go. Home? You want to go home? Yeah, please. Do you ever have somebody come uh, spend the night and they don't make it to the next morning? No, not die. I mean, they go, I'm going to go home. I'm scared. I'm going to go home. They go, man, being a wimp. I want to go home now. And uh, if you're a parent, too, you might experience that at sleepovers. There's always one kid and you go, oh, Lord. And you got to midnight, you got to drive them home or something. It's like, where's their parents? And, um, and why is that? Oh, why is that? Why can't we all survive a sleepover? It's terrifying. Some small things are difficult. Journey with me now beneath the streets of where we are. What? The rivers. Oh, yes. Journey now with me to the subterranean rivers. And we're going to explore an underground. It's nice to use your imagination. What I do now is when I see real rivers, like I did, I was just in North Carolina, so I saw real kind of rivers and streams and everything. And in my mind, I covered them over and made them sewers and thought, how could people build over this? Because they do. And they do in uh, the town I'm in right now, Lexington. I think they're going to daylight a, 
a hidden river. We've got ones that gone underground. I live in a neighborhood, and when I moved into the neighborhood, someone told me, um, you know, you're living on land that had lots and lots of streams. And I said, oh, nice. Said, Where are they? I said, I don't see any streams. And they said, exactly, because they're in your basement. And they are. Some people have some, some water action under their house because this whole area had beautiful streams. And, um, whoops, uh, not anymore. Where are they? They hide. Oh, let the water, let's not be water deniers. I think by the end of the show, I'm going to realize what the water is a metaphor for, and I'm going to reveal it, and you're going to be so excited, and you're going to feel very enlightened. Maybe you're already there. It is, it is knowledge or truth. I don't know. Is it? I don't, I don't know either. But all I know is that we force it to do things uh, that are unnatural because we can't accept it. But we need it. So it's very strange. Um, get greedy for certain things at the expense of other things. Water. Oh, let the streams flow and see the light. And things live in them, too. If you like to eat, I like to eat tiny little fish. Fries, little fry, like fry. I've, people say, I like fries. And they go, you like potatoes? And they go, no, 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 baby fish. I just eat them by the handful. I don't. But let's say you're somebody who does or a creature who does. Oh, what a wonderful boon that that stream would be to you. What life comes from the water, including the creature from the Black Lagoon. Now, you say that's not real. Well, you know, I spent a lot of time in North Florida, and I will tell you that the creature from the Black Lagoon was in Wakulla Springs. And he was in there. Everybody knew he was in Wakulla Springs. They came and they filmed him in the 50s. They came to Wakulla Springs, and that's where they filmed Creature of the Black Lagoon. And it's just North Florida. But, you know, and they were, they didn't want to scare people, so they said, oh, it's like Africa or something, but it wasn't. And you don't want to think that there's sort of like man reptiles living right there in, uh, you know, in the marshlands of North Florida. I mean, when they say biodiversity, man, they mean it. They mean like, you know, but bugs to aliens, um, soup to nuts. That's an old expression. And it doesn't seem like a very wide range to me. So we have everything from soup to nuts. Well, that's not very much. That doesn't, I don't feel like that's a lot. That fats make an aisle and a half at the grocery store. So that ain't everything. You know, what's in that? And I don't understand how you're categorizing things. Soup at one end, it's like the electromagnetic spectrum. Soup at your far end, all of their nuts. Then you have ultra nuts. I don't know, something like that. Um, Infra soup. No, my goodness. It's just an expression. It's okay. It's all right. Not everything means anything literally. Their language is meant to sort of to aim you in a direction, and then you figure that out. It, I don't think it can do everything for you. I've always felt like a language was sort of like just for emergencies and everything else it doesn't do as well. Like, watch out! Works great. And um, consider the lily or what is something like that. You know, that's not, that's, it's harder. 
So it really, the more we use language for subtle expressions, I think the more we get into to trouble. But like, you know, watch out or um, dinner. That's another one that's probably, you, you follow me though, don't you? And then of course, complex thoughts like they have in college or in philosophy classes. Oh my goodness, I thought I was interested in philosophy until I took classes. And then I, was, I, would, I would read, and I'm five pages in, I'd be like, I don't think I was reading just now. Because I'll tell you why, because no, there was no, nothing going on or something. I have a very hard time just reading concepts like that, unless someone has specifics. It's like an old dog. <laughs> if they'd done that every once in a while. You know how dogs like to scratch themselves or lick themselves or something? Then I'd be like, yes, now introduce a sophisticated philosophical concept to me. Always, you know. From, from toilets to Kant, I'm going to have a class or something like that. Maybe that would be a good thing. And uh, I'm not really qualified to teach that. Oh, my gosh, I wish I could teach. I was qualified to teach philosophy. Could you imagine that, having Hardy White as your uh, professor or something? Welcome, uh, class. Uh, please uh, settle down. I know you're not being rowdy. It's just it was in my notes, and I like to hit every point. I want to welcome you, and we're going to go over the syllabus today and the textbook requirements. There is only one textbook requirement, and it is my book, Hardy White's Guide to the Three Stooges, and you're going to be needing that. Another thing you'll need is a, a Ticonderoga pencil. Now, why does it have to be that? Well, there's going to be lots of Three Stooges stuff that comes up in here, and so I want you to really try to get uh, exactly what I ask you to get for the course. And uh, then you'll, you're going you're gonna to get so much more out of it if you understand all the pop culture references in the Three Stooges. How you fixed for blades, you better look. What's that a reference to? See, you're going to have to figure all that out, and you will become very well-versed with advertising and a lot of other things and popular culture in the 30s and 40s based on things that you discover in the Three Stooges. And so it's much more than just examining the lives and work of, uh, of a film and vaudeville entertainment group. It really is a window into the past and people's values and what they like. Is there any questions? Of course not, because I haven't said anything yet. So let me say some more, and then are you going to have to watch the Three Stooges? Yes and no. Uh, what do you mean no? Why would it be no? Well, it's not a real course. So I don't want you to have to do a lot of work since I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. And if you don't want to watch all that stuff, I mean, it might hurt you. It might hurt your soul and your eyes. You say, I really don't think this stuff is funny. I understand that. I know what it's like to not think something is funny. I was just getting some blood drawn the other day, and uh, the phlebotomist was very, she was very, talk like that. She was very, didn't, wasn't smiling. I'm, I'm a nervous smiler and laugher. And so I'm always, <laughs> you do kind of like that. I'm not sure it's 100% sincere, but it's something I do. And, uh, well, she asked me about myself, and I described the show just a little bit. 
enough that she believed me to be a humorist. She said that she did not like, this was, by the way, this transpired after she had taken the blood. This is very important. The phlebotomist was, had completed her duties and was basically just kind of wrapping me up. She said she did not care for silly humor, and she specified the movie Dumb and Dumber. And I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I actually haven't seen it. She said she liked ironic humor. And I said, isn't that ironic? I, I do too. And I said, which is a coincidence, not irony. Then um, she proceeded to make some observations that she thought to be absurd about, the, uh, about drawing blood. And I did not follow the logic exactly that led her to believe that it was absurd in certain situations to take blood. I believe she was talking about taking blood to see if somebody needed blood, but I don't know. I mean, you got to take out a little oil. When you check your oil, you got to take out a little oil on the stick. So I don't I think maybe she misunderstood. But she did a little bit of routine for me. And I thought, I think I'm watching her stand-up routine. And I laughed nervously. And then I left. That was it. It didn't feel like it was going to end there, you know? Sometimes these interactions you have with people, you think, what what now? Really, I just walk out? Was that it? Because that seemed very random. I don't know that once we really talked about, you know, what was going on. That's fine with me. Everyone's living in a different reality. I love bumping into them. And you, sometimes, most of the time, are just an extra. Someone that populates other people's cinematic worlds. I try not to keep, I try to act like the extra. I'm leaning into it. So well, I don't really want to make a, my own film, to be honest. So I really don't mind being in yours. So I'll show up at your store and be cheery. And you go, that guy was kind of cheery and weird. And then I go on my way. And I feel like that's my, maybe that's my mission in life. Uh, you know, I don't have to be the star of my own movie. I don't mean the fellow, I could be the fellow who leans in uh, the window and goes, come on, everybody's headed downtown. You know, maybe you're still in the credits. Um, it'd be like yelling man. Um, it'd be like Hardy White as Hardy S. White or something like that. I'm not even sure where the movie credits is. Sometimes it's, they go by a different name. Pepe, Pepe White, I was going by then when I was acting. I'd love to act. I'll be in your movie. Do you have a movie? You making a movie? I'd love that. If it's somewhere else besides Kentucky, it can't be free, though. So you do. You would have to pay me if I have to go somewhere and everything. But if it's next door, I'm filming something tonight it's down the street. I feel like that's, that's a good location. And I think the director's going to pick me up. So we're good. But... Uh, yeah, I'm available to be in my, you want to call my agent, uh, Dr. Vinnie Boombats, and, uh, he's, uh, he's not my agent, oh my goodness, he's Rodney Dangerfield's physician, but his, uh, grandson, uh, Vinnie Boombats Jr. is my agent, and, uh, he is, a uh, junior, but he's the grandson, oh, the third, Trey, that's what it is, it's Trey Boombats. Um, that's my agent. I'm sticking with that now. All right? Does that sound good? Oh, I have been with... How many years we've been together? 
Oh, too long. That's right. Oh, it's good to have a radio friend that long. I have children come up. I was raised with you, Hardy. Were you really? Yeah, now I'm 87. Well, I don't know. It doesn't work out. But because I'm a time traveler, I don't question it because that could very well be the, what happened. I might have been on radio in the 60s and 70s. I just, I literally do not remember. So if I was, it's gone now. And I apologize if I said anything uh, weird or offensive. I do remember from about 1989 on, though, that radio career is fresh in my mind. And I still said things that were stupid. But I've made so many friends, I think, maybe. I haven't met them. Some I've met. But I know that you're out there. Oh, and I know that I am reaching people and I think I am doing harm. Not harm. What's the opposite of harm? No harm? That's a good one. I'm going to shoot for that. Because that's the, that's like, almost like being a doctor. Because they tell, because the Hippocratic Oath is, births do no harm or something like that. It's like, I can do that. If that's what being a doctor is, I have this, this gig is nothing. Because I can do that. That next step of like doing better than good, I can't quite do. I can't. I can't, I won't, I probably won't give you cancer, but I can't cure it. So, why not? Let's get together. Let's get together every week for 12 years or something. How long has this been on? This is my 12th, so this is my 12th year, right? Because I was on in 2012, I started at WFMU. And it is now... I don't know what year it is. I hate to say the year because then the episode isn't evergreen, and yet I've never played. I've had repeats, skit repeats, but I've never. I don't think I've played a whole episode again, so it wouldn't matter. So I can say it's 2024, right? So that's. I think that's 12 years. Oh my goodness! If you were 12 years old when you started listening to Hardy, you're out of college. I didn't go to college. I'm sorry, you're not now. Now you're not. Why? Because I, I already, dang it, I already graduated you. But isn't that amazing? My goodness. If you were 80 when I started, not sure, you may still be with us. I've lost listeners. That's the worst. Is it? It is. Not, what do you mean, that they don't like you anymore, they don't listen anymore? Oh, if only, that'd be wonderful. No, to, to, uh, to the reaper. And uh, where we all must go. And that's a very strange thing. And that uh, just convinces me more and more that uh, you must not, you must uh, be fearless, hardy, in your communication with people. Uh, because there is no reason not to be. You must open up and uh, you must... Uh, Make yourself vulnerable in, as a way of connecting with others. You must cede that control that we want. Oh, we want to control other people because we reduce harm. Because they have the power over us. They can hurt us emotionally. They can hurt us physically. Oh, we have tremendous power over one another. You don't even have to be strong or anything. Every human being can be a menace 
or a blessing to another one. It's a choice. They have immense power. And so they are, they, they are to be feared, but they're also to be loved. Now, how's that done seem like a contradiction? And we see it, uh, it's easier to see in primates where they go from being loving to finger ripping off or something like that. And you go, wow, man, that monkey went ape. And that's the, you know, they are like us, um, a slave to their emotions too and their fears. Oh, I don't want to aim that at you. I know what it's like to have a, a, a fear or hatred aimed at you, and it's no good. I'm not going to aim it at somebody else. I'm going to try to, if I see it, I want to be a deflecting mirror. I want to be some sort of uh, uh, confusing entity. Because when you confront this stuff head on, a lot of times you lose. You know, it's really tough to confront it head on. And I'm always about trickery and stealth. How can I, you know, trick the evil out of the situation? How can I confuse those who would harm? All you have to do is get them into a state of utter confusion so they can't act. And then maybe they will be redeemed and they'll think twice about doing a thing. If you just get them into a sort of stunned uh, stasis until they can engage their heart and their intellect. So I am not against the art of distraction and consider myself a sort of illusionist. I've done nothing but since I first broadcast my voice on the radio those many, many years ago. I was on a long time ago, young children. Radio used to be... Yes, it sounds like this. No, that sounds, sounds, uh, sounds like an airplane or something. It used to sound different, though. They used to make us talk different. Had to talk like this and louder because the microphones were difficult to be heard over or something. Had to scream. Um, now they're... I've been asked what kind of microphone I use, and um, I keep forgetting, but it's very old. It's from the 70s or 80s, and I use it, and it's an old um, interview mic. And you see them a lot of times in movies and stuff. Um, I'll post later what kind, of, what kind of mic it is, but I do use a vintage mic. I will say that. When I started on the radio, this is very exciting to you, and if it isn't, this is a great time to get a refreshment or use the potty. When I started on the radio at a college radio station, I won't say the one, it's at FSU, I won't say its name, we had a an RCA ribbon mic that looked like something that, uh, my gosh, that like Frank Sinatra would sing over in the 30s or it was, or 40s, it was crazy. I think it was a, a 1940s thing. When That's when the radio station had started, I think. And uh, then for a while it was in disuse. And when it got cranked up again in 1988 or 87 or something, they dug out, you know, these this old microphone out of the closet and became the production mic. And I remember thinking, this is this wonderful, you know, I would 
always going up to it and going, you know, ladies and, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and all the ships at sea, or something like that. I am broadcasting now on a radio device to you. Welcome to the radio world, ladies and gentlemen, all four corners of the earth, north, south corner, southeast corner, and the northern western corner. We welcome you all the ships at sea and oil platforms on which it is illegal to show first-run movies. Now the news. The war in Europe rages on. Hitler buys new pants or something. I don't know how that wonderful old... You'd see the news. News would be a little old, I think, by the time you got it because you'd uh, um, see it in the path. That's how they get the word pathetic. It's like, oh, that's pathetic how long it took to get the news. Stop filming it. Invent TV, for gosh sakes. But you go to the movies and you say, oh, things looked good a month ago. I hope they're still good. And the same with all movies. I was watching it, well, I told you the other day, you know, you they had that Doctor Who Christmas special. And there's Bernard, what's his name, Wiggins, Wiggins, the guy, the, the, the guy who was in Right Said Fred. No, he wasn't in Right Said Fred. He sung it. The original. Right Said Fred. Two of us together, one each, and steady as he goes. I love, I love novelty songs so much. I love them. Well, only sort of only the aggressive, sadistic side of me loves them because I just love how annoying. I love how much, you know, harmless harm they can do because people really hate some of them and it's not literally torture like if you sat somebody down and hurt them physically with nail clippers that's torture but if you were to tie up like a snob and make them listen to ray stevens or something so how long you have to listen to jim stafford and and oh what's a and every novelty song ever written except for Weird Al, which is tolerable, but every other one. And that would be something else, wouldn't it? Oh, my goodness. Well, some of it, not all of it is intolerable, or there wouldn't be a Dr. Demento. But notice what he calls himself. So there is something a little bit wrong, you know, uh, with being too creative. <laughs> That's not what that is. What is it? Is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it that makes that stuff annoying? What is it that makes me annoying to you? I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Don't let stop. Oh, bless you. I'm a very sensitive soul. I shouldn't even be on the uh, radio uh, because I'm, I'm probably not confident enough to do it. And I have a lot of fears and neuroses, you know. I've, it's already I think I'm doing harm. I'm not doing. So this is really sometimes nightmarish. Because I think if I'd done, if I, you know, if I really hurt somebody. When I lived in Florida, occasionally they would ask me, well, not occasionally, only twice, they asked me to do fundraising for public radio. And that was a disaster. Because I'm used to speaking to people like they're people. And that is not the way you speak on the public radio. There is a way of talking. And you have to become someone else who is not you and uh i couldn't exactly do that and so i was just being silly and i wasn't being hurtful i was just being silly but they did not like that oh my goodness you know 
uh, you have to be, even though when they're being funny, it's not funny. Uh, so I was, I was, a, it was, it was an ugly awakening for me. I thought, oh my goodness, I can't even do this. I thought that was, it's public. That means the public. So they, I'm, you're telling me I'm not just innately likable. No, 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 no. Here's your talking points. Do these. Okay. Sorry. Uh, because if you are a listener uh, to this radio station, hey, maybe you have a favorite show. Maybe you have a, a favorite, maybe you like car talk. Or maybe you like, what's her name? The woman who talks to other people. Uh, those are your favorite, but hey, hey, they're not free. And this radio station wants to bring them to you. And to do that, we need your support. So I am here with 500 realtors, and we're all going to speak to you about the shows you like. <laughs> Maybe that make you laugh a little bit, too. <laughs> We're having a good time here because they just brought in pizzas. And there's nothing more fun than pizzas. And so we're, hey, excuse, forgive us for getting a little silly here. Now we're, let's get serious again because we really need your help. And we joke around, but that's it. Terry Gross. Why couldn't I think of that earlier? Terry Gross. It's so funny. You think of something and then you can't remember it. And then it pops right out. How about that? Uh, hey, I don't know if she's still on the air, but we probably need uh, uh, your support for that. I don't know how much it costs. I'm sure it costs way, way more than it's worth or that you would be willing to pay for it. So we do need that. And hopefully there's somebody out there who's just, I don't know, just that kind of conspicuous wealth where you don't notice that you've even written a $1,000 check or something. Me, if I got a bill for $400, I'd jump off a bridge. Uh, but there's folks out there. Um, that was the film. They gave us a training film. That was not it, actually. But um, I felt like that's what they wanted me to do. And I said, that's not me. You know, that's just... That's just not me. And who are you? I don't know. I, but I'm, I'm very, uh, uh, whoever I am, I got a problem with rules. But I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Even places that are, I've gotten kicked out of anarchist things because I'm not going along enough with stuff. I don't know what it is. I'm not trying to be contrarian. I, uh, I think I've been uh allowed to think freely too much and now I, I just get out of sync I seem odd and strange I felt that at the doctors and because I'll go someplace I'll be fine and everything and then I'll go to a place like the doctors or something important or a bank or something and they just look at me like why you are a very strange person and I just think it's because I'm unused to um, certain interactions or, or probably maybe my, my take is uh, different and uh, 
if you you kind of used to bother me now i'm all right and they just say well he's eccentric and i'm, I'm embracing that I say that's what i just tell people now i'm eccentric i have a medic alert bracelet that says eccentric on it in case people because they'll be like are you having a you know is there something wrong with you and i go no and i'll hold it up and they go oh i thought it was i thought it was pathological no it's just eccentricity i'm all right and it's mistaken for a lot of other things, but there's nothing really substantially wrong with me, apparently. Um, that can't be. That can't be cured with uh, just a little, maybe a little lesson in convention, conventionality. And I'm willing to take that. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll shadow, uh, I should shadow a Presbyterian. And maybe I'd, I'd be all right. But as it is, I think I'm, I'm living chaotically one of my a lot of my concerns is that i don't think i'm i mean we don't know when the bell when the bell tolls i think it's at half past the hour every day but i'm worried i'm going to drop dead with my space a mess because right now it's disgusting and i'm and i know i won't be here to see the face of the person who opens my desk drawer and finds like a plate uh, for my lunch or something, but I still, I, I, I don't, knowing that it could happen is what causes me distress, because I know I won't, from the grave, be able to see it, but just knowing now, so I think I need to Swedish death clean, so should I, should I perish, everything is fine, and then they can go on my computer and find all my archives and everything, you're going to have a blast, y'all going to have a blast if you survive me, because you get all the stuff that I thought uh, sucked too much for the radio and then you'll get to hear it anyway and you'll go yes he was right hardy was right oh we were lucky to have him um evaluating his own work and being a uh curating it for us so we didn't have to have it all i know that prince and i a lot of i relate to prince in a lot of ways <laughs> but he had you know a vault with like unreleased stuff in it and he didn't release it because he didn't want it released. You know, after he died, I think they were going, well, let's go get some Prince stuff that hasn't been. But that's not what he wanted, you know. So is it Prince or does it have to have, you know, the Prince thumbs up on it to be Prince? I think it's unfair to go looking for If I was a model or something, you wanted to see all the, the photos of my bad side, too. That's, that's unfair. That's not my work. You know, my art is the thing I show you. You don't have to see my sketch. I do the sketches in, in preparation for the uh, final work. So if I showed you my sketches, what's the point of the final work? Do you ever have final work? I have only sketches. I'm sorry. No, that's not true. In March, I'm going to do something I spent a lot of time on. If you come see me at Monty Hall uh, during the marathon, um, I'm going multimedia. I have sound and pictures and everything now. It's big time. Maybe even other people and animals. Not animals. If I use animals, it'll be people dressed as animals. So I'm working now with Julie Tamer. No, I'm not. I'd be lovely to be with somebody, an established puppeteer who could make elephant costumes for me because that's a big part of the show. It's not. But I'd make it a big part of the show. If you wanted to make elephant puppets, I'd work it in there something. I'd get you in there. Call me. I like to collaborate with people. And I've collaborated with many, 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 many artists. Five. And um, five, is that right? 
Yeah, I think. But good ones. Like uh, Vicki Bennett, Seth Brady. Done stuff together. I like that. I like working with people. And uh, want to collaborate? Want to do something together? That's great. Send me the blank card, and I'll write happy birthday on it. Send it back, and we'll make a series of greeting cards or something. There's all. We'll talk about it. We'll Skype. I love it. I love ideas. I love, most of them I don't want to happen, but I love meetings. I love exciting meetings about things we could do. And I love even more when we don't follow through because the work part is a drag. But that really, when you get the, just the, the manic excitement of the possibilities, mm, really great. Just, you know, that a lot of my philosophy is based on the Captain Crunch, um, oops, just berries or, or oops, only berries or whatever it's called. Um, and that it's like just the chunky, just, just the sweet parts, just the little fruity bits, parts of things. I like that. I don't mind that. Just the, uh, just the berries in life and in art. So just pick them out. Pick out what you like. Put them all together. That can be a philosophy too. Oh, how's your heart? You doing a little better? How you feeling? You enjoying being with Hardy? Hardy likes being with you. I tell you what, I like to refer to myself in the third person. Sometimes I do feel like I'm a puppet and I have a hand. Uh, I've got my own hand at my own bottom. It's working my mouth, and it makes me a sort of fleshy Moebius strip. That has no beginning or no end. And my insides and my outsides and my outsides and my insides. And you see everything and I reveal everything and I fold over upon myself. I talk in circles. I talk about underground rivers. I talk about daylighting them, bringing things to the surface that you bury because they're a nuisance. Clean them up, bring them to the surface. I'll tell you, when you... A lot of times when people describe what I'm doing, I believe they describe it inaccurately as stream of consciousness because that has a specific meaning. And it is clearly not, it isn't what I'm doing. But I will say there is a stream aspect to it. There is a river aspect to the thing that I'm trying to do to make for us. That you have it too. There are buried rivers within us and they can see the daylight again and you can be introduced to a world that is so much richer and more beautiful if you just uncover your subterranean river and that's what I'm trying to help you do and we're going to do it together you are listening to Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County, and online at WFMU.org, worldwide, freeform radio, the way it was meant to be heard. How? On the radio. Or not on the radio. But it is freeform, and I love you, and I'll see you again next week.
name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. Twins 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 name was Ebony. Twins name was Ebony. Her name was Mahogany. 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 Twins name was Ebony.